want to thank you, for veterans, for your service. And we, we prayed for you. We thanked you. We praised you. And, um, you know, one of... <laughs> When I was in the service, and I had never received direct um, reflection on it. Most of it was coming from the news and coming from uh, uh, other people. But it affected me that when I was in the Navy, uh, joined in 1965, got out in 1969. If you know your history, that's the Vietnam period. And uh, we weren't exactly appreciated by our country then. Now, I know there were a lot of people that appreciated us, but they weren't the vocal ones. Ones that were vocal. uh, If you were in the service, no matter where you were, you were associated with baby killers and, you know, the, the such. And uh, to be honest with you, most of the uh, service people that I knew would would not wear their uniforms outside their base if they could avoid it because they just didn't feel appreciated. And, you know, I just want to say I think our country has grown up a little bit in that regard, but maybe we got a little ways to go, too. So don't just say, you know, hallelujah, thank you, Lord, bless our servicemen on Veterans Day. Find a serviceman, especially if you see one in uniform, and bless them and tell them how much you appreciate them. I go to the VA hospital a lot in, uh, in um, Albany. It's the Clinton VA hospital. And um, I, which incidentally was built the the year I was, the year before I was born. So it's been there quite a while. And uh, I frequently, I mean, all, everywhere you go, is you see veterans. And I try to pick out a few and thank them for their service. And I have never been... Um, it has never not been received. Every time it's like a little bit of light comes into their their mind. Um, let's put up Ephesians 1, chapter, verse 1, chapter 1 of Ephesians. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to stop on this verse for a while. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us, past tense, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And notice that, and I've talked about this, this is, a little different than the Beatitudes, blessed, blessed are the mourn, blessed are they that mourn, blessed are they that uh, hunger and thirst after righteousness, blessed are the merciful, and so forth. The Beatitudes, known as the Beatitudes. This word blessed means uh, eulogia, which means uh, good, 
word. You know, how many of you know God has spoken a good word over you? And so um, I would like to stop. We're going to go back to this verse. And I'd like to stop a minute and sing uh, a song that has been requested uh, of me uh, about our country and uh, about our uh, uh, veterans in particular. But uh, if you would with me, uh, with me, sing uh, God Bless America. Okay. And we'll just believe that those blessings that have, remember when God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, but he went to Abraham first, and Abraham began to uh, be an advocate to, so that God wouldn't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he uh, he would say, if there's just, you know, 10 righteous, there's, there's no righteous men. He says, there's just 10 righteous men. Would you, if you can find 10 righteous men, I won't destroy it. Well, that has been in my opinion, uh, and number of other teachers, preachers opinion that God wouldn't, hasn't destroyed America because of the same principle, you know, that the church has been here, and because we've we've done gone some pretty uh, wrong directions, you know, as as a country. And I'm not talking about our, what our government has done. I don't. I'm talking about what this nation has done as a people. And uh, we've made some great strides in some areas, but we've also made a lot of mistakes. And uh, I'm not just talking about mistakes. I'm talking about your heart toward God more than anything else. And so we need to bless America. And because we're blessed as a church with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, we should pray, God bless America. And when we say that, we should mean how does he bless? How do those blessings that we're blessed with in Christ in heavenly places get up to the earth? How do they get here? Well, we pray them down. How do they come down? Well, through us. You know, whenever you pray for a problem, God is going to usually make you part of the solution. Hello? And so, as we're singing God Bless America, let's ask God's blessing on this country, but we could be the conduit. Amen? Uh, just a one another side issue. We've had some words today, and we had a song a while ago, um, All the Promises of God are Yes and Amen. All the promises of yes and amen. Remember we preached that? That's taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. All the promises of God are in him, yes and amen. And I, not uh, that it had to have it in the song, but I always think, gee, you kind of miss the song a little bit because they fail to get that in him part. You know, it's in Christ, our yes and amen. All right. 
And then he goes on to say, what are all, do you know the word promises come from, comes from the same root word that the gospel, the word gospel comes from? It's the same root word that the word messenger comes from? The same root word that the word evangelist comes from? You know, there's, there's glad tidings, gospel, good news. All of them come from this word angel, which, uh, like, for example, uh, promises, angelia. Angel is in the middle of that. And the word angel means messenger. And epangelia is the message. See, all those words are either relate to the messenger or the message. The messenger means angel. You know who the angels are? You know the scripture that talks about the angels went out to sow seeds? (laughs) You know who the angels are in the scripture? We are. We are the messengers. That's what it says there in in, uh, Romans, the 10th chapter. It says, whosoever believes that Jesus is the Lord, Jesus has been raised from the dead. Jesus was the son of God. I'm throwing in a little other scriptures there with it. And believes that and confesses him to be your Lord, you shall be saved. How many of you know this, this scripture? Whosoever believes that God has raised his son from the dead, and confesses him to be your Lord, you shall be saved. All right. What does it say after that? It says, but how shall they know? How shall people who don't know the scriptures, how shall people that don't know the message, the gospel, how shall they know unless there be one that is sent with the message? How can there be a message that is known Unless there's a messenger, we are the messengers. You need to be a conduit for God. You are, we are angels in that regard, because the word angel means messenger. Right? Not in every case when you see the word angels, but in, in this word. So the gospel is euangelia, euangelio, uh, promises. Same same root word in promises, you angelia. So that right in the middle of that word is angel, angel, and all these words have angel is the root. If it is a verb, it is the message. If it if it's the a noun, it is the messenger. See. We said all the promises of God in Him. Are yes and amen. Now, what are the purposes of the promises of God? What's the purpose of the good news? Get you saved? Well, yeah. But, you know, that's, that's not all God's interested in. God wants to save you. But that's not, there's a reason he wants to save you. Hello? And what is this? In one respect, this is an answer. We just sang all the promises of God in him are yes and amen. There's another scripture that Peter wrote in Second Peter. It says, whereby are given unto us exceeding 
great and precious promises. That by these promises, you and I may be partakers of the divine nature of God. Do you see that? You see the the purpose is, is you know, expanding. You know, the purpose gets you saved. Why? So that we can be partakers of the divine nature of God. Hallelujah. How many are believing for that? Sometimes I forget that. God wants me a partaker of his divine nature. All right. So we're blessed as the church, as an individual. We are blessed with all the spiritual blessings that there are in heavenly places in Christ. But how do those blessings come down? Well, we're seated with him in heavenly places. It says in the same area, the same scriptures in Ephesians, uh, same book of Ephesians. It says, but see, God wants us to come down. And what do we come down for? It's because we're messengers. We have been given a message. Hello? All right. So when we sing this song, let's sing this song as uh, for what it says, which is beautiful. But let's also see that we are the conduit. We are the, the vessels, you know, with the vessels, with the pestles, you know. Hmm. I can't remember. What has the brew that is true? <laughs> Oh, these old movies. I'm sorry to torture you with them sometimes. Uh, Anyway, let's sing this song. I don't know if you can get the words to this song up there. Uh, But this is by request. God bless America. God bless America. Land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America. Our home, sweet home. God bless America. Our home, sweet home. Amen. This is our home, but we have no continuing place here. Because our home is, is in, you know, I, I was uh, looking up this song and honestly was like, can I even remember the words of this song? It's very short, very easy. And uh, I was saying, God bless America, our home. And I thought, mm, my home is up there. <laughs> but this is our home too, you know. And it's good to bless this country. And how's he going to bless it? Through us. And what comes through us? The message. 
Because we are the messengers. And what's the message? The good news. Jesus has been raised from the dead. That is the good news. And he loves you. You know, I was, uh, I feel honored to have been in a movement of God at the same time that the charismatic movement was taking place, um, the charismatic revival. There was another movement of God which I felt very attached to and privy to, and that was called the Jesus Movement. And we only had one message. We boiled it down to uh, three words. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. I don't know if you leave nice messages on your answering machine or not. We just leave, you know, tell people who they've called and, you know, to call back or something like that. But I know uh, Lance Harrison says one, Jesus loves you and so do I. And I'm like, Half the time when I call Lance, I hope to get his recording. Because <laughs> I can't hear that too much. Jesus loves you and so do I. You know, uh, Lois Judd passed away uh, about six weeks ago, something like that. And uh, I used to call her up. And, I, and when she answered the phone, I said, oh, man, I was hoping you wouldn't answer. <laughs> And she'd start laughing because she knows exactly what I'm, where I'm going. She had the sweetest answering machine you've ever called. I said, I'm going to call back. Don't answer the phone this time. <laughs> I just love that. And she, she would always end it up and says, and won't you be sweet and leave a message after the beep? <laughs> and I'm like, I just love, you know, here, you can't hear these things. Jesus loves you. Amen. So let's put this uh, scripture up against. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Here is a a beginning of a sentence, possibly the longest run-on sentence in the Bible. Literally, literally, it is a continuing sentence that Paul makes in the Greek. In the Greek, it's, you know, it is literally a run-on sentence that says one thing. And together, it starts off with this, blessed with God. You know, when God says a good word over you, you know, or not, when I was little, there was a sentence, what's the good word? And then a bread company made it to where that they were going, uh, used it. It was, uh, I lived in Abilene, Texas. I was in the fifth grade. Maybe that, uh, uh, that word, what's the good word, was, came before that. But that's when I remember it being used. And it was Cookbook Bread Company. And, uh, what's, and the, the, the slogan was, what's the good word? And then somebody would say, Cookbook Bread is baked while you sleep. Cookbook Bread is baked while you sleep. Why is that the good word? Because that meant when you go to buy it in the morning, it's fresh. 
you know. Cookbook, what's the good word? Well, that's exactly what the word gospel means, is good word. And he has spoken over us a good word. And when God speaks over you, how many of you know when God speaks a good word over you, there's nothing gooder? Hello? As a matter of fact, I heard the word blessed means sometimes, you know, you have good, you have better, and you have best. Well, blessed is better than best. You can't get no gooder than that, you know. And so God blessed us with all. Now, now take this as an ongoing sentence. In the chapter 6 of Matthew, which is the middle chapter of the Sermon on the Mountain, Jesus says something interesting. And if you just miss, some, miss something, uh, it, you, it's easy to miss. But there is something that is very relevant in the little subtlety of what he says. And he says, and he gives three things about prayer, fasting, and giving alms. And he says, when you pray, enter into your closet. Now he goes on, some, some of the Pharisees, they like to pray out in front of everybody. And it says, so that they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. You know, and it's like they're trying to get glory from man. And he says, but when you pray, enter into your closet. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father, which is in secret. And your father, which seeth in secret, shall reward you openly. First of all, do you know what the reward is? We often think the reward is is good things. That's a reward. You know where it says, uh, Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. But he that comes to God must believe that he is. Something he is must believe that he is. It's like must believe that he exists. Must believe that he is God. Must believe that he is Lord. Must believe that he is our Savior. There's a slew of names that we can in- inject there. This is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Do you know what the re, the ultimate reward of diligently seeking God is? It isn't a healing of your body. And uh, we we had a little lesson from the scriptures about believing for healing, right? And that's that's a, a good thing. We want that, but that's not the ultimate reward. The ultimate reward isn't uh, a cattle on a thousand hills, you know, uh, to be rich. It, is, it isn't any of the things that now Jesus clearly says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Same, it's in, in uh, Matthew 5, the earlier part of the Sermon on the Mountain. You know what all these things are? It says so in the verses before. The things that the Gentiles seek. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things that the world seeks will be added unto you. So God promises these things. Okay? But that's not the ultimate reward. What is the ultimate reward? He is. It says, uh, uh, 
It's impossible to please God without faith. But he that comes to God must believe that he is God. He is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Not seek the reward. The reward is him. Hello? That's the bless, That's the blessing. And so this is a run-on sentence to, ex, to explain. Now, back to this Sermon on the Mount. I just want to make a point with this. He says, when you enter into your closet, pray to your Father which is in secret. And then he talks about giving of alms. He talks about fasting. And then he says, when you pray, and you, you know what we know as the, sermon, uh, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Catholics uh, call it the Our Father. I'm not saying that you, some of us don't call it Our Father. I mean, we, but mo, excuse me, Catholics are mostly known for calling it the Our Father. Because the Lord's Prayer starts like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know the prayer. You've said it hundreds of times, right? Do you see a slight difference between that and what he was teaching earlier about when you, when you enter to your closet, pray to your father, which is in secret? What's the difference? It's a subtle difference. Nobody gets it. Pardon me? No repetition? Okay. Because he says, you think you shall be heard for your much speaking? Well, there, that's a different... No, but that, that's, he's still saying the same thing. That don't keep repeating yourselves. Yes, back... The question is, in Matthew, the sixth chapter, which is uh, starts off by talking about prayer and then giving alms and then uh, fasting. And he says, when you do these things, do them in private uh, for when you uh, like prayer, go into your closet, pray to your father, which is in heaven and your father, which seeth in heaven shall reward you secretly, see, ultimately, yeah, with him. Then he gets down to saying, after this manner pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now what is the difference here? Just just one word. Pardon me? Our. That's it. What does the other one say? You. When you enter into your closet. When you pray to your father. Then he says, after this minute, pray our father. And and there's the subtle differences there, but and there's other places that make major differences. But the difference is that God is a personal God. I heard somebody say this a while ago. Personal God. And he has a, a, you can have a personal, you sh- God wants you to have a personal. Augustine made this statement, if you were the only person 
that ever lived on the face of the earth, Jesus would have died for you. But you see, Jesus just didn't die for you. He died for us. We're the church. And see, the difference between the two, and he's not trying to draw the difference in, in how to pray. He's just saying, God, you have a personal relationship. Pray to your Father, which is in secret. But we also have a relationship with him together as the body of Christ. So everybody follows. So when he says we're blessed by be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly place in Christ. You are individually blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. The problem is my, our, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And that knowledge isn't just the, it isn't the knowledge of the world. It's the knowledge of God. It's revelation knowledge. So this, what he's about to say, this long sentence applies to me personally, individually, as if I'm the only person on the earth. And that God died for me and loves me today as if, and I've said this before, I, I, I am one of God's favorite I am God, not one. I am God's favorite child. You say, how can you say that, Pastor? Because I can also say, so are you. Now you get it? You see, why is that? How can, how can that be? How can I be God's favorite? Isn't it a contradiction? It's actually an antinomy, but I'm probably mispronouncing that. I, I know that because I've heard Pastor Norm Moran used the word, and it sounds different when he says it. But it means, how can two things sound like they're absolutely a contradiction and be true? Totally. 100%. Because God is God. Hello? And he can love me as if I'm the only person on the face of the earth. He can, in this sentence applies that we're going to read, he's going to tell us what, he's about to tell us a lot of the blessings that we are blessed with in heavenly places, and it applies to you as an individual as if it was only written to you. And it also applies to us as the corporate body of Jesus Christ. Now you get it? Okay. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And remember, this is a continuing sentence. Who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him. You know, God chose you. You are chosen of God. You have a special mission from God. You know, we were talking about um, Billy Graham a while ago. Hearing the message when, a, when a, uh, an evangelist came through the town. Well, uh, I don't know if some of you, especially around this time of the year, uh, should remember another preacher, pastor, evangelist uh, by the name of Peter Marshall. And what's the most extraordinary thing 
about Peter Marshall, not only in his wife, Catherine. Uh, she wrote so many books that are just so sweet. And uh, he was appointed to be the chaplain of the Congress. And when he uh, went before Congress, uh, I mean, went a Sunday and he prayed this prayer. He, 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 he preached this message and he prayed a prayer. And right as he is praying and finishing with the prayer, we get attacked by Pearl, at Pearl Harbor by the Japanese, which started our, our uh, World War II with the Japanese. Pearl Harbor, December 7th. And it was if the message that he preached and the prayer that he prayed, it was if he knew that was about to happen. It was just extraordinary. It was actually at the Annapolis at the Naval Academy that that, that took place. Now, I happen to know that Peter Marshall was wanting to join the Navy. Well, actually, not so much. He wanted to go to sea. He was from Scotland. And he wanted to go to the, he wanted to go to and, and join, run away from home as a young boy and join, uh, go to sea with some ship that was going to go out. And so he's running away in the middle of the night, midnight. By the way, he was also a night person. Just throw that in. Because people who know me know that I'm a night person. And in the middle of the night, he's running away from home to go to sea. And he's going through this. He's cutting across. He doesn't want to be on the main roads. And he's cutting across this, this place, which is pitch black. And he's running through the forest and through the, you know, the mountains and stuff, and he's headed for the ocean. And all of a sudden, he felt something trip him. And there was nothing there, but it tripped him, and he fell. And when he fell, his body came, and his head came here, and he was about to go over a cliff that would have been almost sure that he was going to die. And he realized that some, something saved him. <laughs> and at that very moment, he felt the call of God on his life. And he knew that he was not called to go to sea. He was called to be a servant of Christ. And that was the initial of his calling. So you are chosen of God. God has a purpose for your life. As an individual, and he has a purpose for us together as a church. I asked God, why did you choose me, Lord? Now remember, I'm in the frame of mind, I'm praying in heaven, I'm at the frame of mind that I am his favorite. Not, I know that that also applies to every other one of his children. That you are God's favorite. So I'm not thinking, one of the things is, don't think too highly of yourself that you, you know, if a man thinks he is something when he is nothing. So the way is, it, you, it, it, it's actually thinking that God, that I am God's favorite. If you understand what I'm trying to say to you, it's like, it's very humbling. 
because every, every one of his children are his favorite. But at the same time, there's this relationship. And so I'm thinking, God has chosen me. And I ask God, why did you choose me? And he says, what is that to you? Follow me. Well, that's a scripture that he said to, to, Paul, uh, to Peter um, one time. And so I said, why did you choose me? And he says, isn't it enough that I have? I said, yeah, you got a point there, Lord. That's enough. He said, but I will tell you this much. <clears throat> Go back and read about the Sermon on the Mountain. I mean, uh, excuse me, the woman at the well. The Samaritan woman at the well. And go back, and I went back and I read that, and I read the part where he says, uh, the, the time comes where you shall neither seek the Lord, seek God in the mountains or in the temples, but you will seek him and worship him in spirit and in truth wherever you are. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. And I read that, and I, I don't know how that escaped me before, but I thought, the Father seeketh such to worship him. What he is saying to her is because the Father seeks you, is sought you. Because she, she was the one that asked him the question, should we, should we worship in the mountains, you worship in the temple. Where are we supposed to worship God? Why is that? That's the same thing he said to his disciples when they come back to him, says, why do you speak to them in parables? Just because it's not given for them to know, but for you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So by the very fact she's asking him about the question is an indication that God is seeking her to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so I said, oh. So I I was in prayer and I was talking to God. And I said, God, I, I, I really got a blessing from reading that and studying that scripture again, but that didn't really explain to me why you're chosen me. And he says, exactly. I said, okay, I surrender all. (laughs) I surrender God. But you have been chosen of him. This is, now, what he says, be blessed with all spiritual blessings. He's, He's giving you some of the spiritual blessings What is it? We believe that God is God and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What is the reward? Him. He is the reward. And here we're chosen of in him before the foundation of the world. There's there's about six scriptures in the epistles that talks about how God has done something for us before the world was even created. And I, and I said this, well, I, that's hard to wrap your mind around. That you were written, your members were written in God's wor- uh, book before you were, before Adam and Eve, before this world even existed. He says that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Next verse. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Now, you notice here's this run on sentence. What did what was the first thing he said was we're blessed with? We've been chosen in him before the world began. 
We've been predestined to be the, uh, the, to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. You know, we have some adopted children in here. And there's a special place in God's word for adopted children. I remember when we prayed over some of them, Fran shared the, the scripture about how many uh, special children were not raised by their parents. I'll give you one, just, just there's more than one, but Moses. Moses wasn't raised by his mother. He was raised by a princess of Egypt. And he says, we're adopted. That also gives it a, a kind of like we're chosen. Uh, I was listening to a, a, a Tim Keller tape recently, and he was talking about how we have been, we, we have not chosen him, but he's chosen us. It says that in Romans, I mean, in uh, John, the sixth chapter, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you. And then he goes over a few scripture that talks about how we choose. You know, why do, how do we choose? Why do we choose? What is an indication that we choose? It's because we have a free will. And the indication, like, for example, it says in Deuteronomy 30, 19, I call heaven and earth record this day against you. I said before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, you choose life. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will say, come in, I will open the door and open the door for me. I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Again, these are things that apply to individuals and apply to the church. And so he, he gives some scriptures, says, so what is, what is it that Jesus says, you've not chosen me, I've chosen you. Or is it that we choose him? Yes. Both are 100% true. How can that be? Because God is God. And he has predestined, he has chosen us to be his children. By Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will. You know, I, 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 any parent would do this. But going back a few years ago when my daughter Amy had cancer. And of course, as a family, when a little one of yours is hurt, it's, it really um, is something that challenges you. And, you know, and uh, I was praying as a father and I was saying to the Lord, um, if it's, if it could be, uh, if I could, if you could take me instead of my daughter. And I said to God and myself, I said, that was the easiest decision that I have ever made in my life. I didn't have to think it over. I didn't have to, you know, boy, that's, do I really want to give up my life? Wasn't even, you can't even measure how, how you know, the difficulty in that. It, it can't be measured because it, there just isn't, there wasn't any. 
gladly, I would have gladly done it. You know, one of Tim Keller's saying is, you know, uh, we're, 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 sin is so unacceptable by God that he had to die for us to save us. But we were so loved by God that he was glad to die for us. Here's another one that's kind of hard to wrap your head around. But, it, you know, and I, again, I don't think I, myself and I don't think anybody in this room would have a problem with saying, take me, Lord. And so I, I, I was talking to the Lord and I was saying, Lord, if it's possible. And I knew somehow that it was not exactly scriptural for me to offer me as a sacrifice. But I said, if it be possible. And then I thought, instantly I thought, easiest decision I've ever made in my whole life. Not, I won't even, there's not, you don't even have to think twice about it. And I thought I heard the Lord speak to me. And he said, me to you. Me to you. It was the easiest decision I've ever made. And at the same time, Jesus says, if this cup could pass from me. And so we were the adopted of children by Jesus Christ to himself. It was his choice. And we must always remember that he chose us according to the good pleasure. Jesus says, it says in Hebrews uh, 12, 1 and 2, it says that uh, for the joy that be set before him, he despised the shame. What shame? The shame of being made sin. The shame of being rejected by everybody. The shame of, of being ridiculed. At any time he wanted to, he could just sweep his hand and destroy them all. But the very ones that he had created, the very ones that he loved, were nailing him to the cross with the very nails he created. It says we're adopted children by Jesus Christ himself according to the good pleasure. I, I don't understand this, but you died for me and it was your good pleasure. Everybody thinks about Jesus, what he, the sacrifice that he made for us. It's beyond imagination. It's beyond what we can think of. And I personally think that he actually... When he was made sin, he went to where sin goes. It says he made his grave with the wicked in his deaths, plural. What's plural? One is, one is physical and the other one was spiritual. And his spiritual death was because, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The Father had forsaken him because he was made sin with our sin. That was part of the taking our punishment. 
And so that God wouldn't forsake us, he was forsaken by God the Father. Now I ask you something, especially to your parents. And I don't, I don't mean to put any aspersions on my Savior, Jesus Christ. But who had the harder task? The Son or the Father? I would have been, as a father, beyond, I mean, I believe that all of creation was hanging in the balance. Because I thought, I think for one second, when God says a day to him is as a thousand years and a thousand years are as a day, he actually said the three days that my son was down there was like 3,000 years to me. But he says it was his good pleasure. It was his good pleasure. On to the next part of the sentence. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Wow. His grace has glory. The word for grace is charis. C-H-A-R-I-S. Charis. It actually means favoritism. Where, and this is one of my favorites of all, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted, accepted in the beloved. That word accepted is the Greek word karatu. Kara comes from grace. Accepted. If I look that up in the vines, you know what it means? Highly favored. Highly favored. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us highly favored in Christ. That means in the beloved. I am highly favored of God. Can you understand? This is the blessing that we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Next verse. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. According to the riches of his grace. It's like to the glory of his grace before this. Now to the riches of his grace. You see, when he gives us, he's highly accepted. He has his, uh, we're highly favored. It gives glory to his grace. If we receive this and we're highly favored, it, it's the riches of his grace. If we see, receive the riches of his grace, then we also receive the glory or we give him glory of his grace. See, when you, ex, when you believe that you are highly favored of God, you, that you're not only favored, you're not only God's favorite, you are highly favorite. It gives glory to his grace. And, it, and you are a partaker of the riches of his grace. Next verse, please. Wherein he's abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. So he has abounded toward us. There's a verse I like to scribble. When I, when I write in any income in my, uh, register, I know my wife says, people don't do that anymore. 
People do things on computers now. About all I can do on my com- computer is Google. <laughs> and I got some great Bible apps. Whenever I write an income on, that God has blessed me with, I write down, I'll write sometimes, I love you, God. Or God loves me. Jesus loves me. Or Jesus loves me and I love him too. You know, something like that to recognize that everything I have comes from God. Sometimes I just put Philippians 4.19. 4.19. And then quote it to myself. What is Philippians 4.19? Do you remember, Rodney? My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. According to his riches and glory. Have you got some financial problems you need to... God's glory? It says he meets all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Next verse, please. Again, again, this is the same sentence. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will. The mystery of his will. I'm I'm going back and revisiting things that I have known before. and, And you know, there's a there's a song <clears throat> that a group called Blind Faith recorded. And it was recorded by some people that, would, that actually had had, you know, uh, an, an encounter with God. Unfortunately, I don't know that it stayed with them. And you can judge whether it was real or not real. But in, uh, the, 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 crest, the crust of the crest or whatever of the song, I really love. And I don't know if you've ever heard it. You know what Blind Faith? Blind Faith was a band in the 60s that formed right after Cream broke up. Because Blind Faith is made out of two-thirds of Cream. And they made this beautiful song called in the presence of the Lord. You know, and it says, I have, I have found a way that I never could before. And he goes, says, uh, I know that I don't have a lot to give. Then he says, in the, in, in the, the thing says, everybody knows the secret. Everybody knows the, the score. Everybody knows the secret. It's not true. Not true. Everybody knows the secret. Everybody knows the score. In the presence of the Lord. Not true. In the presence of the Lord is a beautiful thing, and it's, I love the song. 
But uh, you're saved. You know a secret. You know a mystery. God has given you a mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself. It is God's good pleasure to tell you the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And we'll move on and we'll take communion. Next verse, please. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which are on earth, even in him. Next verse. In whom we also have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated, or predestinated, I think it's really the right word, is be predestined, according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory. Do you know believing you are God's favorite, highly favored, chosen of him, blessed with all spiritual blessings, adopted of him, adopted by him uh, as as children, is giving praise to his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed. Say, I'm sealed. I'm sealed. With the Holy Spirit of promise. There's that word promise again. I'm sealed. And what God has sealed, no man can unseal. Hello? Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Which is the earnest of our inheritance. You know what the word earnest means? It's when you make a down payment on something. And you imagine that. Jesus and all that he has said so far is the earnest of your inheritance. Wow. Can it get any better than this? Apparently. It's the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, until we go be with the Lord, unto the praise of his glory again. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. We're ending right there. One of the most beautiful prayers, study that, memorize it. It's coming up. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. After you heard of our faith in Lord Jesus, hallelujah, and love that we have for one another. Paul says he ceased not to give thanks for us, making mention of us in his prayer. Hallelujah. May we know the fullness of what that prayer is that he is about to say in Ephesians 15 through 22.